for tuning in online or you're here live in person. We're so glad that you're here today. How many of you are glad that you're here today? If you know this song, sing with me. It's beginning to look a lot like... Some of you are wishing I never would sing again, and that's okay. I won't. Hey, we're in part six of our series, our six-week series entitled Keep On Keeping On from the Book of Galatians, and it's my privilege to just wrap that up with you here today. We're going to look at this theme of are you living an invested life? When I was thinking about that this week, I caught this vivid, vivid memory of being a young boy opening my first bank account. I had my piggy bank in my hands. I had my mom's hand and we walk into the bank and I was told lots of things like, you're gonna multiply and see this invest and grow and all your dreams are gonna come true. I'm still waiting for that to happen. But I remember doing that. Those are terms that we use when we talk about finances quite frequently. We talk about investment, we talk about multiplying, we talk about seeing our financial wealth and health grow here in our culture and our society. But did you know that those words also apply to our relational well-being? When we invest ourselves and the people around us, we are living an invested life. We are multiplying who we are into the lives of others. What does it look like to live an invested life? For that answer, we're going to go to the scriptures. If you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to be reading the first 10 verses from this chapter, beginning with verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At, the right, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. An invested life. It begins with community. You and I were created to connect with others. We were created for community. The challenge has been in 2020 so far that so much of our experience has been about isolation and not connection. We've been disconnected from one another in a variety of different ways. Maybe it's because we returned from vacation internationally and now we have to isolate ourselves or quarantine ourselves for 14 days to make sure we're not carriers of the COVID pandemic. Maybe it's meant that we've had to rethink family gatherings like birthdays, Thanksgiving meals, 
preparations for Christmas even because we don't want to go over the health measure limits or we feel like we can't or we shouldn't or whatever. Maybe we find ourselves at home a little bit more frequently because we're terrified that if we go outside, we might catch this whole thing called COVID. Whatever it is, in 2020, you and I have been more isolated than previously before. And the truth about isolation is when you and I are isolated, we are more easily defeated. Think about it like this. Perhaps you finished a walk or a run or a shopping trip for essentials from the grocery store, and all of a sudden this thought creeps into your brain. Does anybody actually really care about me? Does anybody actually care? Left to yourself, that begins to snowball. Maybe you go home, or maybe you go to your place of work, and you're like, I'm gonna try a game. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything to anybody. I'm gonna see if anybody notices me. Gonna see if everybody, anybody actually gives a rip when I walk into a space. What happens if they don't notice you? That lie begins to grow and snowball. And all of a sudden this isolation that you feel internally in yourself, even though you're surrounded by people, is more powerful than you think. It's starting to reshape what is true about your life. Now hopefully, you have the courage to reach out and say, hey, I'm starting to believe this lie. Um, Is this true? And if you have good friends, they're going to answer you truthfully. And they're going to say, no, of course we care. If there's a long pause in between you asking that question and they're just staring back at you, hang in there for a moment. Maybe they're just thinking of the right words to say. When we're isolated, we're more easily defeated. On the west coast of Canada, we've got these amazing trees called redwoods. If you've ever had the privilege of seeing them, they're massive. They're intimidating. They're tall. They're wide. They're broad. But a year ago, a little bit more than that, Bonnie and I and our three oldest kids zipped over the mountains. We were living in central Alberta at the time. We zipped over the mountains to Vancouver area just on a fun little excursion for a weekend. And we went to hang out with the redwoods We went to hang out and see if we, as a a family of five, even though there were seven, we only brought five of us, if we could wrap our arms around one of these big trees. And it's quite intimidating, quite difficult to do. Now, as impressive as these trees are, big, tall specimens, did you know that they have the most shallow root systems of all trees? They're like hundreds of feet tall. They're massively wide but their root system only goes a couple feet deep. The only way that they stay standing is because their roots are interlocked with other redwoods. In fact, in some cases, they're fused in together. That's the power of community. If nature understands that we're better together than we are individually, why do we not embrace that same reality? North American culture is all about individualization, pursuing the individual dream, pursuing what's best for you. And while that might be partially true, it's not the entire story. Unless you're interconnected, unless you are fused into community with other people, you're going to experience isolation at appalling rates. And in isolation, you become easily defeated. Mental health. It's a real challenge for us. We need community. When we're left to isolation, we become easily 
defeated. All right, Jason, I understand that. I should be in community. Thank you for that. It's been a reminder. Uh, but what does that look like and what does that mean? I'm going to call it 3 a.m. friends. 3 a.m. friends. Now you're going to be like, okay, 3 a.m. friends. Our culture and our society calls those people friends with benefits. Is that what we're talking about? You're asking me to find friends with benefits? No. When I'm referring to 3 a.m. friends, I'm referring to friends that are far beyond some sort of physical interaction. Friends that actually deeply care about you. And this is what Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 6, first few verses. He says, look, if you see anybody that's deviating from the best way to live, that's finding their way into sin, that's making mistakes, you should love them, course correct them, help them understand that their choices are going to lead to a path that they don't want to participate in. It's going to be a real challenge for them moving forward. That's what you get to do. In fact, he reminds us so boldly that none of you is that important not to care about people. None of you is that important not to care about people. Well, what does a 3 a.m. friend then actually look like? Let me tell you about a story with my friend Darren, who happened to be my best man in my wedding. Darren and Mel were two amazing young couple uh, people in my life, and they would regularly invite me over as a single guy for dinner, and that dinner would usually involve some sort of manual labor afterwards, like building a fence. I remember one time being stuck under their front veranda, pushing dirt into a hole because I was small enough to fit in there with my feet. That's what I was doing. Like, so, you know, so it's this benefit thing where I'm getting fed, but I'm doing a lot of stuff for them. Anyway, Bonnie and I, we started dating, and Darren knew this because he was a good friend of mine. And one time he pulled me aside and he said, Jay, you've got something good going here. And I was like, yeah, I know, I do. And he's like, just so you know, if you screw this up, Mel and I have decided we're picking Bonnie over you. <laughs> and I said, you are wise, I would do the very same thing. That's a 3 a.m. friend. Who understands, look, Jason, I get it. Sometimes you don't want to be vulnerable. Sometimes you don't want to go places with people that you need to go. Sometimes you have a hard time developing intimacy and relationships. Don't screw this one up, dude, because she's the best thing that's happened to you outside of loving Jesus. And if you do, we're siding with her. That's a 3 a.m. friend. Darren loved me. Mel loved me. They still love me. They want what's best for me. They're going to ask me the hard questions. They're going to encourage me when I need encouragement. And yes, they might actually even feed me when I need to be fed. That's a 3 a.m. friend. Some of you might be thinking, okay, that sounds like speaking the truth in love. Being honest with loving reality to it. I was like, yeah, it's absolutely that. Unfortunately, some of us have experienced friendship at a different level. We've experienced the honesty without love, the walking into a relationship, and then out comes the bazooka, and we get blasted to pieces. That is not a 3 a.m. friend. A 3 a.m. friend loves and cares for you. A 3 a.m. friend is not somebody that compares themselves to you or compares yourself to somebody else. That's not a 3 a.m. friend. And Paul reminds us about that in this set of verses. You should be thankful 
and, and doing focused on your own job, your own life, your own things, and not comparing yourself to another person. And a 3 a.m. friend will not do that. When you need them, they'll give you the help that they need, you need, not because of their life being so much better than your life, but because they genuinely love you. See, comparison only ends up in a, in a relational a battle of some kind, where one person feels like they have to win. A 3 a.m. friend, a true 3 a.m. friend, is a friend that finds the relational connection to where you both win. You both grow. You both become who you are intended to be. And comparison doesn't belong in that reality. So if you're like, well, I think I've got a friend, but all they do when, when I do something wrong is tell me about what, what they would have done if, if, if they were in my shoes. Is that a 3 a.m. friend? No. It's somebody that's going to sit with you, listen to you, understand, yeah, that's a challenge. What can you do differently next time? That's a 3 a.m. friend. Not one that's going to rub a mistake in your face and say, well, it's the same one that you've been doing. I'm glad that I got over that. Someday you might. 3 a.m. friend cares about who you are and finds a loving way to speak hope and life and truth into your world. They don't compare. They just love. They just love. Okay, Jason, if that's a 3 a.m. friend, I don't know if I have any of those, so what do I do with that? Be a 3 a.m. friend. A gentleman by the name of Mark years ago said this to me. He said, Jason, be who you want to become tomorrow, today. Be who you want to become tomorrow, today. In other words, be the kind of friend that you crave, the kind of person that believes in people, the kind of person that invests in the people around them, the kind of person that you wish invested in you. Be that person. When we're trying to pursue living an invested life, it means recognizing that where we've been placed in the environment with the people that are around us is exactly where we're supposed to be. It's intentional. Those of us who have a relationship with Jesus believe that God created the world and everything in it with strategy, with order, with certainty, with inspiration, every single part of it. And that means that we also need to believe that you and I, in our current circumstances today, right now, in real time, that God has placed us in these for a reason and for a purpose. And it's always for what is best for us. It's always for what is best for us. In fact, God himself exists outside of the timeline. He created time. He exists outside of that. And what he did is he looked at you and I and he said, when is the best possible time for Jason to come to life and have a human experience? When is that best possible time? Where is that best possible environment for him to be? And he chose now. And it was the best possible environment and time for a variety of reasons. But mainly for me to get to know him and to make him known. And the same is true for you. The job that you're in, the family that you're in, the neighborhood that you're in, the set of circumstances that you find yourself in right now is the best time for you to be alive. 
Now, you might disagree and be like, I can think of so many better things. A house down by the river, a private jet, kids that don't yell at me, a marriage that's awesome, a job where I don't have to go to work and they keep paying me money. Whatever it is, you might be like, I can think of all these wonderful things, but you are not God. And you don't see what he sees. And when he looked at the whole entirety of the timeline, he saw today to be the best time in all of that time for you to be alive. Living an invested life means recognizing that truth. When we are and where we are is intentional. And God chose it for us. To bless us, not to curse us. And God chose it for us because he loves us. And the sooner that we recognize that where we are and when we are and who's around us are all blessings, even though they don't feel like it, you know, like getting that gift for Christmas, it's socks and underwear. You're trying to be thankful, but you're like, really, socks and underwear? But you need it? Because you ran out of socks and your underwear, let's not even talk about. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes a gift doesn't feel like a gift, but it's always a gift. Because God is a loving Father, and He only gives good gifts. He only gives good gifts. Even the challenges that we face, they're the best gifts to help us grow, to become who he's created us to be. An invested life is a life that recognizes where I am, when I am, and who's around me. Those are blessings, even when it doesn't feel like it. Here's the thing about feelings. Feelings only tell us part of the story. They're not the entire truth. So sometimes the way that we feel about something actually isn't correct. We might feel like, ah, nobody loves me right now. That is not true. Because you have people that care for you, that know your name, that invest in you, that make sure that you feel valued in a variety of other ways. Sometimes you just refuse to see it. Living an invested life. Being thankful for where we are and living from that place. Okay, Jason, this sounds all really good. What do I do with it all? Well, Paul reminds us, I believe it's around verse 7 or so, that we harvest what we plant. This is why living an invested life is so important, because we harvest what we plant. If we are planting joy, love, peace, hope, kindness, we're going to harvest that stuff. If we're multiplying or planting fear, anxiety, anger, hatred, negativity, that's what we're going to harvest. That's why it's so important to have those 3 a.m. friends that love us so they can course correct us along the way and make sure that what we're multiplying, what we're investing in other people is actually something that we want invested in us, something that we want to harvest later on, something that we want to benefit from. To give, to get, to get, to give. All that good stuff. Here's where we need to go with this, though. What we need to do, what you and I need to do on an individual level, 
is three things. Number one, we have to list who our 3 a.m. friends are. Who are they? Because when you know what is hitting the fan and all chaos is breaking loose all around us, who are we going to call? Not the Ghostbusters. Our 3 a.m. friends. Who are they? Write them down. Put that list on your phone. Put that list on your fridge, your mirror, your car, your workplace, wherever you are. Put them there so that you know who you can call when you need it. Who you can call on. Who you can ask for wisdom, advice. Who you can ask to pray. Who you can ask for perspective. All those wonderful things. Now you you might be thinking to yourself, well, how do I let them know that you're my 3 a.m. friend? Don't just send a text that says, hey, you, you're my 3 a.m. friend. Give a little bit more context to it. Maybe send them this talk. Maybe have a longer conversation with what that looks and what that what, what that looks like and what that means and what that feels like. So they're fully aware of what it is that you're asking of them and expecting of them. Second thing is be a 3 a.m. friend. Be a 3 a.m. friend. If you're going like, I don't, I don't even know if I have 3 a.m. friends, where do I start? Be that person. Invest in the people that are right around you, your coworkers, your neighbors, even the neighbor that you're like, Jesus, why did you put this neighbor beside me? Invest in that person. Love them. Be intentional. Be that 3 a.m. friend. Make room in your life to invest in other people. Even during COVID, find creative ways to connect that are focused on health and safety, of course, but also connection and growth and love. List your friends, be a friend, and choose to live that invested life. Make that cognizant choice daily when you wake up. I'm going to love the people that are around me, and I'm going to love where I am. I'm going to love the people that are around me, and I'm going to love where I am. I understand the people around you, they're not always pretty. There are some rough edges. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe you've hurt them. But you can still choose to love despite what current reality is. Love where you live. Love the people who are with you. That's an invested life. I can't help but think that Paul, as he's coming to a conclusion with this letter and writing it to that original group of people that are hearing it, and now us, you know, over a thousand years later or so, that he's trying to encourage us, this is what it looks like to keep on keeping on. This is what it looks like to keep on keeping on in the midst of everything that life is going to throw at you. See, sometimes we can't choose our circumstances, but we can choose how we respond to the circumstances we find ourselves in. And that's what it means to keep on keeping on. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the truth of your word that reminds us that you are somebody that not only loves us, but then inspires us to love the people around us. Lord, over these last six weeks or so, we've been digging into what does it look like to 
keep on keeping on despite everything that's happening in us, around us, and through us? How do we keep growing? How do we keep moving? How do we don't just let life happen to us, but we happen to life? How do we do all those things? And so all of the stuff that you might have been revealing to us individually, whether that's this week or previous weeks, I just pray that it would, it would grow deep in us, that it would bear fruit in us, that it would remind us to become the people that you've created us to be. God, would you give us the courage to list our 3 a.m. friends this week or to ask people to be our 3 a.m. friends? Would you give us the courage to be a 3 a.m. friend to the people around us? And you, would you remind us to be thankful, to be thankful for all that you have given in terms of life and connection and community, even when we want more, to be thankful for what is and choose to live that invested life. Would you bless us and protect us? Would you smile upon us, be gracious to us? Would you grant us your favor and your peace? 